So we talk about Zephaniah first. We get that. Welcome to the podcast. In and Through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim, and I'm the lead pastor of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario. And my name is Marshall Morden, and I'm the associate pastor at Memorial Baptist. And? And? Today? Mm-hmm. It's the dog days of summer. Yeah. That term was invented by a guy. This is a seldom known fact. Okay. That term was invented by a guy who was doing a chronological reading of the Bible. And he got to the prophets. <laughs> and he said, these are the dog days of summer. Yeah, yeah. We're definitely feeling that. <laughs> uh, how you feeling after this week's reading? Mm. Um, well, you know, Jeremiah Jeremiah's a, a good read, but a tough read. Yeah. Right. I mean, we had we had some positivity towards the end of Isaiah. In Isaiah, it's sprinkled in, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you have you have a couple rough chapters. Mm-hmm. Then there's this sprink, this nice thing mm-hmm. that happens. Yeah. And then it says, but and it gets rough again. And then a little nice thing. Mm-hmm. This week's reading. So it starts with Zephaniah. Right. Um, Zephaniah is only three chapters. Zephaniah is not unlike Isaiah in his condemnation. Very similar, yeah. He does have a glimmer of hope. He does, yeah. It's almost like a postscript. Like an afterthought. Right. Like, oh, wait, right. There, there, is. Was, there was something else I was supposed to say. <laughs> P.S. This isn't going to happen to everyone. That's right. Um, and then we open up with Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. Did we just write a commentary on Zephaniah? Yeah, that's yeah. Let's we'll just re- do the transcript and just right <laughs> send that to Crossway or something. <laughs> yeah. So, so here before we jump into this because we've we've already jumped into this. We have the forest and trees are a hard thing to do this time. It's hard not because there's not a forest to look at, but because it's one that we've talked about for a couple of weeks now. Yeah, it's the same forest. It's the same forest. Mm-hmm. The condemnation of God is coming upon Israel. Mm-hmm. But there will be a remnant. Yep. And that has been the case. That's the case for all of the prophets. Essentially, yeah. And these this makes for this makes for tough reading. Um and it makes for tough preaching. It does, yeah. Right? So the the question is what do we do with some of this? We have a we have a friend who is gonna join us next week. He just finished preaching through the minor prophets. Part of the reason I want to have him on is just be like, what'd you say? Right. From one week to the next. <laughs> right. What was, where were your encouragements and your uh, rebukes, those kinds of things? How do we, what do we do with this mm-hmm. as the church? Yeah. The other thing I see in all of the repetition of this is that there is no way, no way that Israel can claim either innocence or ignorance. Yeah. No, that's that's entirely accurate. I mean, the amount of opportunities that they've had, and and the and the way that they respond to these prophets, right? Mm-hmm. And we're going to get into that a little bit today with Jeremiah. Oh man, right? are yeah. we ever? Yeah, like so. So the what we need to keep in mind here is that like God has got to sent these people, right, to to warn them, to to call them back to repentance, uh, but they have, as it says, you know, they've they've made. Their face is stone. They're they're just not interested in uh, turning turning back to God. 
Yeah, and it's not just like, oh, that one guy said that one thing one time. No. No, it has been years mm-hmm. of this. Multiple guys coming out of the woodwork mm-hmm. saying, this is what the Lord has for you. Nobody cares. Yeah. Yeah. So, on that happy note, <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 1. Mm-hmm. People, cl- people love to quote this. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Oh, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. Sounds almost like Moses there. A little bit. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a youth, for to uh, for to." For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you to say, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them. For I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. And then he talks about setting him up to be someone who tears down nations and builds up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is quoted a lot. It's often quoted as a way of comforting one another. How much of this is universal? And how much of it is specific to Jeremiah? Well, in the sense that God knew us before we were formed in our mother's womb. I mean, that's universal. Right. Yeah, I would agree. As far as having a particular calling to be a prophet who speaks directly from the Lord, uh, not quite as universal. (laughs) Right. Because a fair fair assessment. (laughs) Right. And that's where this this can go too far in a number of ways, right? Uh, so so sometimes people look at it and they're like, well, this is just to the people of God, right? God's people, God's anointed, those who are obeying him. and um, that, that just doesn't seem to be the case here. It seems like he is speaking directly to Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I would caution, I would caution using Jeremiah chapter 1, as a way of comforting self or other, because it is the call of Jeremiah. And the, the, that there are those who would disagree with me needs some level of explanation then, right? Because there are some mm-hmm. who say, no, I disagree. I do think this means anyone who would be a child of God. Mm-hmm. I would say that those people, by and large, if not universally, are not reformed in their theology, that they would say, God has set apart those whom he would save from the beginning of time, Mm. before the foundations of the earth. Right. Yet, before Jeremiah was formed, he was known, and he was set apart, and he was given his task. Mm. And so, I think if you want to believe that this is more universal, then you have to be reformed. Hmm. You cannot be Arminian and believe that this is a universal passage. And those who would claim this to be universal are Arminian. Hmm. You see the problem there? Yeah, the inconsistency. Yeah, it, it creates an inconsistency. And so so to that, I would just say, no, for sure, God knew us mm-hmm. all before uh, before we were formed. And and that's probably where the universality of it ends. Yeah. That we might, that some of us might have a very specific call in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, that was set apart from the beginning. I would say, by and large, God's people have a general call. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a there's a general call that's given to the church to 
uh, call people to repentance, right? To preach the good news to them, right? To, to uh, make disciples of all nations, as the Great Commission says, right? So um, in that sense, I mean, has God—I mean, he has given us words to say, right? He's right. given us things to do. Um, but I think, yeah, that's, that's, it's still distinct to some degree from, from what Jeremiah's task was. Um, and, and that's a good thing because we don't want, we don't, we don't want to have to walk the same path as Jeremiah. Right. It's not a fun, not a fun road. To walk. No, no. And he reminds us of that mm-hmm. over and over again. And so we get into chapter two, uh, yeah. which brings the story of a parent fail. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you do things as a parent that you don't realize are going to be a bad thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you start them and you think, shouldn't have done that. <laughs> this morning, I thought, I'm going to refresh my memory while I'm making breakfast, put on a pot of coffee, put on the audio Bible. Let's hear back those first parts of Jeremiah so that they're fresh in my memory because today's podcast day. Mm-hmm. Do not play Jeremiah chapter two in your house with small children. <laughs> yeah, there's some grown up words. In uh, in Jeremiah, there, there are big boy words, yeah, yeah, uh, that the kids don't need to to know, mm-hmm. uh, and they are repeated over and over and over again in chapters two and three. Yeah, and uh, even throughout Jeremiah, it keep the, he keeps coming back. He keeps coming right. back to that it, same image. He likes it. Yeah, uh, yeah. you and you and you and your sister. Yeah, all of you. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, one of the things that that uh, stuck out to me was a verse that a friend of mine quotes a lot. Um, or the second half of the verse, but it's uh, chapter two, verse 32. And it says, can a virgin forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. Mm. Right? Like you, you don't have, you know, you don't have a bride forgetting her, her dress and her veil and all those things on her wedding day. Right? It, that, that is, you need that. Like that, that is a, that is an important part of what's about to happen. And yet, God's people, right? Who mm-hmm. th- their their very glory and dignity and honor comes from their maker. They have forgotten him days without number. Yeah, and that's that's an image that is going to show up throughout Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. Has this ever happened before? Search the world. Has this ever happened before? Mm-hmm. Yet you've forgotten your God. Mm-hmm. I mean, even going to go so far as to say... The people who serve false gods are at least loyal to their false That's gods. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least they know where their allegiances lie. The bril- the most brilliant statement of that uh, will come with Ezekiel. So you got to wait a couple of weeks for that. Yeah, it's coming. Uh, but when Ezekiel talks about this, um, he he drops the hammer pretty hard with that same image. Mm-hmm. Teaser. Yeah, seriously. Uh, so all, in Jeremiah chapter 3, the, the part that really grabbed me is when he's talking about all of the destruction and everything that's going to happen. You, you've done all of this. You're going to be destroyed. This is common theme by this point. Verse 15, he's talking about his return. He's talking about the people being gathered together. And he says, and I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Mm. And when you have multiplied and been fruitful in the land in those days, declares the Lord, they shall no more say, the ark of the covenant of the Lord. It shall not come to mind or be remembered or missed. Mm. 
Hmm. Hmm. It shall not be made again. Now, if we were to say the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of the Lord before the people was going to be lost, to this point, that has always been a tragedy. Right. God is using it here to encourage and comfort. Mm-hmm. That seems odd so far in our story. Yes. Yeah, so far in our story. So this is what we call progressive revelation. We've talked about it a couple of times. It's the point of a chronological reading that God slowly over time shows his plan and himself in greater ways. It's not like the patriarchs at the beginning of Genesis knew everything that John knew at the writing of his revelation. Right. And now we get, Jeremiah gives us this window, this peek in. Mm -hmm. And the reader would have to look to this without hindsight, look to this and think, why would they be encouraged to have lost the presence of God among them? Mm. And why would they not seek to rebuild the ark? Right. We'll talk about that when we get to the Gospels. There you go. (laughs) That is what we call foreshadowing. That's right. That's right, people. And And being on this side of it, being a believer in that new covenant that is being described here, because it's being described almost as if it's a second temple period, sort of like after this, you're going to come back and we're going to do the whole Jerusalem-Israel experiment again. Yep. That's kind of what it sounds like, but when he drops language like that, you're like, mm. No, that's something else. This is this is a little <laughs> bit different. Yep. Yeah. A little different than it was last time. Yeah. No, and uh, I think I got a clue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, kind of getting back into the the regular pattern of Jeremiah— um, you know, he's beginning his preaching in the time of Josiah, mm-hmm. who has implemented these reforms, who has reinstituted temple worship, right? The book of the law is being opened. The feasts are being restored. But yet there are still these, these deep and dark sins that the nation of Israel is struggling with, right? What they're being called out for in, in many cases is the injustice that they're perpetrating on others, Right. Uh, for example, in Jeremiah 5, it says that they know no bounds in deeds of evil. They judge not with justice the cause of the fatherless to make it prosper, and they do not defend the rights of the needy. Shall I not punish them for these things, declares the Lord? And shall I not avenge myself on a nation such as this? Right? There, there, there's, no, there's no care and dignity for the, for the integral parts of the law. There's no... There's no care for for the widows and orphans and strangers, and these these are things that were laid out explicitly in the Mosaic Law, right? And these are these are the difficult things, right? I mean, it's one thing to just bring you know, bring a sacrifice to the temple, but it's another thing to to care for those who are hurting in society, and they're not willing to go that far. In fact, they're taking advantage of those people for their own benefit. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring up chapter five. Because chapter 5 has in it this challenge. Mm. Go into the streets and find any number of people who are faithful. It's, hmm. it's the same challenge from Genesis that is given to Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me who you can find. <laughs> yeah. And it, with the same outcome. Uh, <laughs> and then in, in verse 9, like, 
When we look at these things and we think, how cruel can God be? How big of a deal is sin? Is it really that problem? And I, man, I've had so many people say to me, well, it's not really sin if it doesn't hurt anyone, right? Sin is just God's way of keep calling things sin is just God's way of making sure that we're not hurting each other. And if it's not hurting anyone else, then what's the problem? Mm-hmm. That's not what sin is. Sin yeah. is not transgression against your neighbor. Mm-hmm. It's transgression against God. Yeah. And, and for all of this sin, in verse 9, he says, should I not avenge myself? Mm. Yeah. He's not looking at what Israel did and saying, well, you know, no one's hurt. Mm-hmm. No, I am. Yeah. This sin is against me. And then he tells them, go through the, uh, go through her vineyards and ravage them, in verse 10. But do not destroy them completely. Mm. The remnant. And I, the note I have there in the Bible is, because a promise is a promise. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The idea that, like, God, God must answer the sin that's been done against him. Right. Otherwise, what kind of God is he? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I mean, that's like God is primarily concerned with glorifying himself. And so to overlook generation upon generation of just ignoring God and and pursuing idols and, and all of these things. What like what is he supposed to do? Why would we expect anything else from him? Right. And, and it's not just the people at large. When we get into chapters 7 and 8, we start seeing that this is about the priests mm-hmm. in the temple of the Lord. In, ver- in chapter 7, verse 8, it says, Behold, you trust in deceptive words to no avail. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, make offerings to Baal, and go after other gods that you have not known, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, we are delivered only to go on doing these abominations. You're going you're gonna to go out and, and do all of these wicked things, and then you're going to come back into my place of worship and say, we've got these other gods. We're delivered. <laughs> We're okay. Yeah. And he calls them to, later on in that chapter, to cut off all their hair, <laughs> throw it away. Yeah, and not only are there these these priests who aren't fulfilling their roles, but there's there's prophets mm-hmm. as well. These prophets who are who are prophesying falsely, right? And 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 it's repeated actually a couple different times in this week's reading. We read the exact same thing, and it says that they have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying peace, peace, when there is no peace. Right? These 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 prophets are are simply giving the the people of Israel, the nation of Judah. The news that they want to hear, right. not the news that they, they need to hear. That their tickling ears mm-hmm. would want to hear. This is, this is one of the most formative statements, because like you said, it shows up multiple times in Jeremiah, in all of my approach to ministry. So when people—I've had people ask me the question— Tim, you take a pretty conservative position on a number of things. Mm-hmm. What if you're wrong? What if you're wrong in all of these things that you, you know, like uh, issues of sexuality and, and whether or not a person can be a believer 
and practicing homosexuality, something mm-hmm. something like that. Is what if you are spending your entire life making them feel as if they cannot be a part of the family of God, but they actually are? Mm. What if you're wrong? I I will repent for that. Mm. If that proves to be the case on the day of judgment, mm-hmm. and I will say I opened your word and I read it faithfully, and I was wrong. Forgive me. Mm-hmm. Praise God that they are with us mm-hmm. in your kingdom. Mm-hmm. But to stand before God and have him say, how dare you mm. bandage lightly the wounds of my people, mm-hmm. saying it's okay. Hey, don't worry about it. It'll be all right in the end. Peace, peace. When there's no peace, yeah. when it's not okay, when it's not all right, and when what we need is repentance and to turn before God, mm-hmm. right? I will risk having people for my life think that I'm the angry preacher. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I'm the angry preacher, nah. but I think there are some that would choose to hear it that way. Sure. I think the calling is is not just change your morality to my standard of morality of because not. I'm right and you're not. The, the idea is to say, no, we are a people just like Israel, destined for condemnation, John 3, 17. Mm-hmm. But there is also John three sixteen, And if we will put our faith in him and consecrate ourselves to him and turn away from our wickedness, we will be saved. Yeah. I will never by the sustaining power and the grace of God, err on the side of saying, you know what, let's not worry about it. Mm -hmm. Because this condemnation on the priests and the prophets just guts me every time. It's heavy. Every time. He follows that after he says, saying peace, peace, where there's no peace. He says, where are the ashamed when they commit abominations? No, they were not at all ashamed they did not remember how to blush <laughs> yeah mm. yeah in our in our culture in our you know recent history the the, the list of things for which people feel shame is is shrinking mm-hmm. <laughs> rapidly right in fact, so in like so far that that you know we have we have many people, you know, even in the church, saying that we shouldn't really f- feel bad about the things that we've done, right? And kind of almost going to a a I don't know if I call it like a hyper grace position, but definitely an antinomianism to say like, you know, it's not really about you know it's not really about what you do. Right, twisting, twisting the truths of of Scripture, twisting the gospel to say that maybe there's not really all that much we even need to be saved from. Yeah, I want to jump to Jeremiah ten. Okay. And here, there's a line, verse twenty three and twenty four. I know, O Lord, that the way of man is not in himself. This is wisdom from Jeremiah to say, stop measuring the truth of God against your own standard. Mm. I know, O Lord, that the way of man is not in himself, that it is not in man who walks, uh, who walks to direct his steps. 
Correct me, O Lord, but in justice, not in your anger, lest you bring me to nothing. Mm-hmm. He is asking for the rebuke of God that he might be tested and made clean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this whole idea, right, this, I mean, it kind of speaks directly to like Pelagian heresy, right? Which would say that we have the ability in and of ourselves to walk righteously before God. Like, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, we don't, right? Like, it, it, we, we clearly don't. Right. And and then some of the language, like we were talking about this before, Isaiah, I, I talked about how great of a writer he is. Jeremiah is probably my second favorite mm-hmm. book of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Um this does not mean that I just love destruction or that I'm pretty negative as a, as far as a person goes. I love Jeremiah because it's so sobering. Right. And the things that he says are so poignant and always applicable. Mm-hmm. Jeremiah 12, the way he talks about his destruction, he... he we talked about this uh, a few weeks back, that, that God is not seeing himself as an other, and Israel is just something. He says, I've forsaken my house, and I've abandoned my heritage. I have given the beloved of my soul into the hands of her enemies. Hmm. Right? He's connected in this. Yeah. Um, and then I want to jump now to... Jeremiah chapter 20. Okay. I, I know that's a big jump, mm-hmm. but uh, somehow the time's getting away from us today. Sure. Uh, so in Jeremiah chapter 20, this is where we are going to get some of the conversation about what's going to happen or, or what's happening to Jeremiah's heart. Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet, right? That's that's how most people know him. Mm-hmm. Um. He is stumbling, staggering under the weight of this ministry he's been given. It seems that Jeremiah has the same ministry that Isaiah was given. We remember the call of Isaiah. God tells him, hey, I'm going to make you a prophet, and no one is ever going to listen to you. Right. And you're just going to keep preaching the truth, and no one is ever going to hear you. Mm-hmm. And so here we have uh, in verse 7, O Lord, you have deceived me, and I was deceived. You were stronger than I, and you have prevailed. I have become a laughingstock all day. Everyone mocks me, for whenever I speak, I cry out, I shout violence and destruction. It seems that Jeremiah thinks the same thing about his sermons that we think about his sermons. (laughs) For the word of the Lord has become for me a reproach and a derision all day long. If I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, there is in my heart as it were a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary of holding it in, and I cannot. He's in this really strange place in his heart where he looks at the people around him and he says, I'm tired 
of having to bring the bad news. Mm-hmm. And I don't have any friends. Yeah. No one likes to see me coming. Mm-hmm. And I'm bearing this burden because this is what God has called me to. But at the same time, keeping it all inside, not preaching the truth, is an even greater burden. Mm. And I won't do it. Yeah. And he endure. I mean, he endures beatings and he endures um, imprisonment, right? He's thrown in the stocks by one of the priests, right? So people can, can mock him and abuse him for continuing to preach this message. And yet he understands that the consequences for not being obedient, for, for withholding uh, this message God has given him is just too great. Yeah, that, that what you were just saying about him being, uh, being beaten and taken by the people, mm-hmm. uh, that, that takes place in 18. Mm-hmm. Um, in verse 11, Now therefore say to the people of Judah and those living in Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says, Look, I am preparing disaster for you and devising a plan against you. So turn from your evil ways, each one of you, and reform your ways and your actions. But they will reply, it's no use. Hmm. Meh. What's the point now? <laughs> and so he has to continue his plea for them to repent and turn away lest they be destroyed. And in verse 18, they said, Come, and let us make plans against Jeremiah, for the teaching of the law by the priests will not cease. Let us make a plan because he keeps telling us about God. Nor will the counsel uh, from the wise, nor the words from the prophets. So they're just saying, he is bringing us the law, the wise counsel, and the words of God. This has got to stop. Right. So come, let's attack him with our tongues Mm -hmm. and pay no attention to anything he says. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes, this is is an interesting thing. Sometimes you can preach a sermon and have people come up and say, that was so good because I felt so convicted. Right. Right. And then you have another person come up and say, why you got to be down all the time? (laughs) Why you got to make me feel bad about myself? Yep. I'm going to go somewhere else. Yep. Right? Uh, All from the same words. It's just how a person chooses to process that Mm -hmm. and what they choose to do with the information that they're receiving. Mm -hmm. Are they going to be open to that? Uh, Some people love convicting sermons. Yeah. They see it as an opportunity to be refined in their heart through the process of sanctification and the work of the Holy Spirit, some people are like, I don't need that negativity. Yeah, give me some of that peace peace. (laughs) (laughs) That might be the best thing you've ever said on the podcast. Oh, thanks. Let's just say ever. Let's just say ever. But yeah, it's it's a tough spot. Mm -hmm. And, And Jeremiah... He's, he's feeling the weight mm-hmm. of this work that has been given to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But to his credit, 
he's going to bear that weight. Yeah. Yeah, so, he is. He's not done yet. Al- although, although what Jeremiah has to say is hard to read, the respect for the man to be obedient to the call that God has given him before he was formed in his mother's womb. Mm-hmm. That's that's huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Highlight. Hi- yeah, yeah. Highlight. Go ahead. Um, so there's a couple things for me, but I'll try to narrow it down to one. Um, I think Jeremiah 17, there is uh, a warning that uh, that is given, right? That we are called not to trust in man. So in verse 5, it says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. So don't don't trust in other people for your own salvation, for you know the things of this world. Don't don't trust in them. And then further down, it says, this is a famous passage, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Mm-hmm. And so don't trust wait, in other... Wait, wait, wait. How do you reconcile that with the doctrine of follow your heart? <laughs> the false doctrine of follow your heart. I love it. Every time, every time I, you know, I, I don't, necessarily in, engage with everything that I see or read or hear that is wrong. But every time someone says something along the lines of following your heart, immediately I'm like, the heart is deceitfully wicked. Like in my mind, it's just desperately sick, <laughs> right? Don't follow your heart. Don't follow your heart. You know, and 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 we understand that our, our hearts are, are corrupted, right? Our hearts are idle factories. Who was it that said her hearts are idle factories? Is that John Owen? I don't know. Anyways, somebody, go with it. Somebody smart. Go somebody with it. smart said it. In any case, right? Like our hearts will lead us down the wrong path every time. So don't follow your heart. Don't follow other people, but trust in the Lord. Lest we end up a people all doing what is right in our own eyes. Yeah. And we remember what it was like in the judges. Yeah. It was a mess. For me, I, I go back to Isaiah chapter five. There's some fantastic stuff. Uh, said there right after that part I read earlier where it says, do not destroy them completely. He talks about, again, the reasons why he's coming against them. In verse 12, he says, they have lied about the Lord. They said, he'll do nothing. No harm will come to us. We will never see sword or famine. Hmm. That is the message of those who would say peace, peace in chapter 8. And in other places. And it all comes down to the fact that they are reading the scripture and saying, no, mm. it hasn't happened yet. It's not going to happen. And, and then in verse 21, talking about these people, how could a person do that? How could, how could the people who knew the law, like you said, this is not so far removed from a time when they're practicing the law and people are talking about what they're supposed to be talking about in temples. Right. Um, and so how can people go so quickly into this place where they're saying false things about God? In verse 21, it says, Hear this, you foolish and senseless people, who have eyes but do not see, who have ears but do not hear. This is the carryover from Isaiah 6, 9. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, God told them it would be like this. Mm-hmm. And when he told Isaiah, this is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. 
Jeremiah's in the moment. Yeah. Watching it happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. The people who are saying there will be no sword will die by the sword. The people who say there will be no famine will starve to death. The mm-hmm. people who say there'll be no exile will be taken in chains to a foreign land. It's 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 coming. Yeah. And and so what do we do with this? Hmm. I I think one one I I don't want to get too far into it because this is really the overarching part of our conversation with Nathan next week. Uh, I I think in some areas we we just have to stop downplaying what it means for us to fear the Lord, for Mm -hmm. the fear of the Lord to be the beginning of wisdom. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And the, the like for for so many people, for the vast majority of the people living and breathing in this world right now, the greater destruction is still coming. And if we forget that, if we forget to mention that, if we get to, if we forget to bring that to people, obviously it coupled with the good news of the gospel. Mm-hmm. But if we don't warn them of what comes from rejecting God, worse, worse is coming. Screw tape letters, right? How many times did C.S. Lewis say through screw tape, mm-hmm. you don't have to do anything except make them feel comfortable. Yeah, as long as they're comfortable. As long as they think that nothing's going to happen, we've won. Mm-hmm. You don't have to create something for them. Mm-hmm. Just rock them to sleep. Yeah. Our world is like the cruise ship, the Titanic. Mm-hmm. Everybody's enjoying themselves, but it's going down. Well, thanks for listening. I hope we were able to brighten up your day. <laughs> this podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada and is produced by Alex Walker. Till next time. See you later.